Welcome to Mother Hustler Podcast, a podcast for busy moms who are trying to find their identities outside of motherhood. I'm your host, Dej Chanel. Let's laugh, learn, and grow together. All right. Um, hello and welcome back to the podcast. So today I am joined by my friend Kendra. And fun Hi. fact. Yeah, hi. Uh, fun fact, Kendra and I went to the same high school together. We graduated together, and we were in show choir together. So <laughs> we lived a lot of our high school lives together. Um, and we stayed friends on Facebook. We run into each other at random places sometimes. And, yeah, that's kind of like the extent of our relationship now. Um, and a few months ago, I was scrolling on Facebook, and I saw that Kendra had become a doula. And I thought to myself, like, okay. We need to have you on the podcast sometime, <laughs> especially in this season, because um, we're talking all things pregnancy. So a little more about Kendra. Um, she's a 26-year-old Christian wife and mother of three who has pursued her dream of being a birth and postpartum doula. And I figured that she would be the perfect person to chat with today because today's topic is more of a birth postpartum topic. Um, and it's also a topic that both of us are personally experienced in. And it's something that's not ever being talked about enough, I feel like. Uh, so we're going to be talking about tearing in childbirth and just kind of what it what that looks like, what it is, what the recovery process of tearing is as well. Um, I also just want to give a little warning at the beginning of this episode. We're going to be talking anatomy today, and it's definitely not going to be a PG episode. So just keep that in mind. Like if you have kids in the room or whatever while you're listening to this. Also, if you have had tearing that may be caused any type of postpartum issues or anxiety, depression, any type of that, then please just listen to this episode with caution. I uh, just kind of wanted to give like a little trigger warning at the beginning of this episode, just because I know if it was me listening to this episode like two years ago, I might have just wanted to click off. So <laughs> um, to start off, I just want to kind of cover what tearing is and the different degrees of tearing and... Since you're our professional here, I wanted you to kind of cover that for us. So just kind of what tearing is and the degrees of it. Yeah, so tearing can be a couple different things. Uh, The most commonly that we talk about and the most common that happens is a perineal tear. Um, That does come in four different degrees. Uh, So the first degree is the lesser of all of them. It's pretty much just like getting a cut like you would on your arm and you don't need any medical attention. It typically heals naturally and there's no stitches required typically. Um, And then we can move into the second degree, which is a little bit more intense. It has some muscle involved that may or may not require stitching. And then the third degree um, definitely includes muscle tearing with the skin tearing and gets down to the sphincter of the anal area. And then fourth degree tearing is when the rectum's involved with all of this tearing. And so it uh, connects all those things together uh, with a big cut, essentially laceration. And uh, the the third and fourth degree tearing almost always requires stitches and in some situations, some surgery. Yeah, and I thought it would be interesting to Google for myself how common it is to tear, like as a first time mom specifically, And I found a few different like articles, maybe you know more, but everything I was reading was saying between like 85 to 95% of women will tear in some type of way. And I believe that that was including like abrasions as well, but that's just an insane statistic to me. Like, (laughs) yes, no, it totally is. Uh, It's 
something that I hear from a lot of the moms that I've worked with so far, because we always talk about our fears with birth and like what, you know, we're really anticipating and what gives us anxiety about the upcoming birth and tearing's usually one of the topics brought up. Um, and those statistics you read were right. Uh, I would definitely say upwards of like 95% of women do experience tearing of some sort. Uh, most commonly, uh, from what we've been able to see so far, is that uh, it's usually the first or second degree tearing. Um, I would definitely concur with that. Uh, it's typically the first or second degree tears are the ones that we see. And, you know, I know we're going to dive into your story here in a little bit um, where there was a, a big problem and it sounds like your doctor didn't really do due diligence to make sure everything was okay. Um, and that's like definitely one of the extremes, like that should not happen. And uh, it's terrible that it did, but most first time moms will see those first and second degree tears. Um, so yeah, I had a third degree. That was what mine was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And kind of just going kind of into like the actual birth process after that, after you give birth, your doctor should examine you and figure out what degree of tearing you had and how they're going to repair the tear if there needs to be a repair. A repair. Yes. Um, and then this is a stage where I wish I would have had like a doula or somebody in the room who like knew more about it because sure. I'm pretty sure that my doctor missed my big tear, but there's no saying for sure. But I would have like loved to have somebody there and be like, hey, she just had a nine pound baby. Like she's she struggled getting them out. It was a vacuum assisted birth. Can we just be sure that everything is good down there? Like really look, uh, but I wasn't educated on that. So I didn't know. Um, yeah. so I, just, yeah. And I just always like to rem remind people, I have an entire episode with another mom where we just talked about advocating for yourself. Um, yes. And just remember to, to advocate for yourself when it comes to every part of your birth. Um, but that's kind of what happens following the birth. Do you have anything else to add to that? Um, for with the basics of a perineal laceration, no, not really. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's whenever you have a baby, things tear. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of stretching. <laughs> There's a lot of, yeah, a lot of stuff going on down there. <laughs> Um, and the repair process really depends on your type of tearing. Kenja pretty much already covered that for us. Uh, for most people, it's just going to be stitches, if any. In my case, it was a full like vaginal reconstruction surgery, which is like so rare. I'm pretty sure I read like 0.02%. So, you know, I really won this. Whenever you told me about your experience, I was like, that <laughs> should not be happening. But that is insanity. Yeah, um, that's a lot to go through. Yeah, it was it was a bit much for anybody to handle, but yeah, um, that's... yeah. So something I also wanted to mention was like if tearing is something that worries you or keeps you up at night, then please talk with your doctor, midwife, doula, anybody who's more educated than you on the subject. And ask them all the questions you need to ask them. Um, a lot of women will opt for C-section simply because they don't want to tear. And while I can understand that, especially being in the position I'm in now because of tearing, it's still always important to discuss to discuss something that big with your doctor or your midwife or doula. Um, and before every appointment, I always have like a list of questions that I've just had on my mind for my doctor. And like none of them ever mind answering any of those questions. 
So if tearing is something that you are worried about, then you can ask your doctor for midwife questions like, you know, how can we prevent tearing and what are we going to, what are you going to be doing to help prevent me from tearing? That's a really important question. Um, and then asking about like certain positions to get into while you're laboring to lessen the chances of tearing. Um, and Kendra, do you have any suggestions on like how to prevent tearing before, you know, like just kind of preparing for that? Sure. There are definitely a couple of things that you can be doing with your partner and by yourself to try to prepare your pelvic floors for, um, for birth. Uh, one of those things, and you'll, you can read about it on so many different, um, there's books, there's blogs, a ton of stuff about perineal massages. Um, it's definitely a weird thing. I remember the first time I ever read about it, I was like, you do what? Um, and my husband was like, I do what? <laughs> um, but it is it's really, really a great exercise to do specifically for first time moms. Um, Cause subsequent pregnancies, usually the tearing lessons, like there's, I've had three over nine pound babies and I tore the first time. My, my two, my last two births did not result in tearing. Um, but the perineal massages, I really wish I would have taken that really seriously um, with my first pregnancy. Uh, I had no knowledge of birth at the time. I had read a few things, but I was just like, everybody, people do this all the time. Like, it's no big deal, you know? Um, but the perineal massage, so what that is essentially is using some kind of natural oil like coconut oil or almond oil, whatever tickles your fancy. And <laughs> You use two fingers to do a U-shaped type of motion along the perineum for mom. And it's really effective to do this. It's kind of like the last six weeks of pregnancy. Um, you can do it as often as you want, really, because there's no harm in it. All it is is just stretching the area out a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one of like the big things that you can do yourself uh, before birth comes. And then one of the big risk factors of tearing is uh, medical intervention. And that's not to say that people should not have medical interventions, not what I'm saying at all. But it, with intervention does come increased risks for certain things. Mm -hmm. And so like uh, an epidural, for example, you, whenever you have an epidural, while they're great, I've had two, um, it can cause you to really not know how to push effectively. And so you're pushing and you're straining in ways that maybe if you could feel it, you wouldn't be straining that way. And so it can increase risk of tear. So, um, really becoming educated on what interventions can do. And that includes stuff like, cause you mentioned like you had the vacuum and it was a big baby, like all those things definitely factor into your risks, just heightening and heightening for a larger tear. Um, but to avoid any medical intervention, if that's the kind of route that you want to take, there are some natural routes that don't necessarily um, directly help prevent tearing, but they help prevent medical intervention, if that makes sense. So mm. doing things like drinking this tea, it's red raspberry leaf tea, and eating dates. Like, it sounds so simple and weird, but the statistics show how helpful it is for women who are pursuing natural birth. Um, so yeah, those two things, just prepping your body for everything. And then, of course, eating well, sleeping well, just general care of your body, because the more health conscious you are and the better you're taking care of yourself the happier your muscles are including your pelvic floor so those are some big things but definitely the massage is like number one if you're afraid of tearing you can actively do that yourself and kegels yeah yeah, yeah I, think I just want to make mention of like 
just um just educating yourself in general you know if if that is like a big yeah yeah I mean oh gosh I as a first-time mom I wish that I would have just been more aware done more done more of my own you know like research and same just educating myself more but you know we all we all learn from our experiences so yeah it's so funny because um I have had a few first-time moms as clients so far, but I've had more second-time moms because they're like, the first time I act like I knew what I was doing and it was no big deal. And they're like, nope, I needed some help. So second time around, I have a lot of second-time moms that come to me. (laughs) Yeah. And I even see that like with my friends, you know, like I I think I have like 10 friends right now that are pregnant. Everybody's pregnant. And all of those first moms, they're just so like... (laughs) They just don't know what they don't know. And it's, I, I always try and, you know, prepare them the best I can and just tell them all the things. Like I don't, I don't shy away from telling people my story just because um, I feel like if anything, stories like that are going to make you want to educate yourself. Uh, yeah, so I don't shy away from that. Uh, but I've just seen that. Yeah. First time moms, they're just like, no, it's fine. Like everything will be fine. Like it's just <laughs> all butterflies and rainbows. <laughs> I'm going to get a baby at the end. <laughs> so. Which is true. It does get yeah. pretty euphoric afterwards, but yeah, during it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then all my second time mom friends are like, oh, why did I do this to myself again? But <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I really want to go into our individual stories since we both have experience in this subject. Um, and and I was saying it's not talked about enough for how common it is. <laughs> Nobody talks about it. So um, I'll go ahead and share just a brief overview first for uh, just kind of my story. Uh, so I kind of mentioned earlier that I had a nine pound baby. And unfortunately, the reason why things kind of took a turn for the worse is my son's cord got wrapped around his neck and his head. And he had like his his fist on his face. So like there was just lots of things that were just stuck up there so he wasn't as I was trying to push him out he kept pushing himself back up in because he was running out of oxygen when he was coming out um so my doctor was like just really confused because he couldn't see the cord situation uh because he was just coming out a little bit and then pushing back in and my doctor was like what is going on you know (laughs) why is this happening so finally he was able to I was able to push him out enough for my doctor to see what was going on. And then that was kind of when things just like got really scary. So um, that was when my doctor immediately asked for the vacuum and I ended up having a vacuum birth, unfortunately, (laughs) which, you know, you have to be thankful for them in this situation, but at the same time, you don't want one if you don't need one. Um, So, and can you kind of explain like what a vacuum is, what it does? I feel like I'm not too educated. So it's, yeah, a vacuum, it, like you said, like you don't want it if you don't need it, but it can be super necessary and um, it it is scary to deal with. Like I I can only imagine what you were feeling when everything was going down. Um, So what happens is, so baby's head is right there in the birth canal and they can usually see the crowning going on and the baby's right there, but something is happening to where he or she just does not want to come out. So they take this device that kind of like a suction cup kind of look to it. Um, It's kind of 
kind of hard to describe. I, I need a picture to show, <laughs> but you just attach it to the baby's head and they just they secure it on there. And then as mom pushes, they they help tug baby out. Um, yeah, vacuums and forceps are both used, not really like, I wouldn't say commonly, um, but it is something that is uh, normal whenever there's complications in birth. So yeah, it's, it's just a, a big assistance to help mom get the baby out as she's pushing. Yeah, and what kind of sucked in my situation is that the vacuum helped-ish, but he, as he was getting further out, like the cord was just so messed up that my dog, and he was losing oxygen like fast. I mean, he came out, as soon as his head was out, his, his face was blue instantly. So my doctor, in order to save my baby's life, just basically pulled him out of me, you know, like stuck his hands and pulled yeah. him. So, yep. you know, I have my baby, he's here, he's alive, he's perfect. So that's fine. You know, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever you need to do to me to get me, to get me that baby, I'm fine with. So, um, from after my son was out and all everything looked good, uh, you know, my doctor started examining me. All he said he could see was a second degree tear. Uh, he was kind of like on the fence between second and third, just because I guess my second degree tear was pretty like, it was a pretty nasty second degree tear. Um, and it took him quite a while yeah. to repair it. So um, kind of fast forward to the next day in the hospital, I'm lying in the bed and I am in so much pain. And I wish I would have spoke up when I was having this pain because the more and more research I've done on tearing, the more I'm finding that uh, if you have a tear that maybe got, you know, went undiagnosed, or is maybe breaking down, then you're going to have a lot of pain associated. So um, I wish I would have said something, but I didn't because, you know, you just gave birth. Of course, things are hurting. <laughs> that was what my first time mom brain was thinking. So I didn't say anything. Um, and I was having all these weird symptoms. I'm not going to go into those because I have PTSD from what I experienced. And it's not always good to go like back and relive memories, like exact memories. But to make a long story short, my second degree tear from what my doctor told me and the midwife at the same place um, told me is that my that second degree tear actually broke down. And the, the word breakdown broke down still gives me anxiety, I swear. Um, <laughs> um, but that's kind of what happened. And as soon as I started getting symptoms of the breakdown, I immediately went into my doctor's office and... Like to add a little bit of extra detail, I started getting like major symptoms four days after I had given birth. And then five days after I had given birth, I, that was when my vaginal reconstruction surgery was. So it it all happened very fast. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that it wasn't like a prolonged experience, but, um, yeah. So, and let me kind of give you a happy ending to my story because if you were to Google fourth degree tearing, even third degree tearing, um, and the complications that come with them, then like, you're not going to find anything really good online, unfortunately, because, you know, Dr. Google is just never positive. It's always either cancer or, you know, something awful. So <laughs> I do like to share my story because if sharing it will help even one woman to feel less alone, then I feel like my job as a human being is just being done. So um, I didn't have any complications after I had my repair. Um, and I honestly think that the worst part of all of it was getting back into having sex 
And not necessarily that sex hurts because I mean it hurts for anybody after they've had a baby you know that first couple of times it's a little bit uncomfortable from what I've heard of <laughs> um but I was just more it was more like the anxiety that went into it like okay is something gonna break again on me like it's like learning to trust your body again learning to um just like live with you know something like a third or fourth degree tear it might it might it might change things a little bit for you in different areas of your life. So that's been the hardest part of everything for me, but I don't struggle with anything um, like medically speaking when it comes to my fourth degree tearing. So, I mean, which, so there are positive stories. I just wanted to say that like, and my, my story does end positively. I'm pregnant again and <laughs> um, I'm scared, but I'm getting a C-section this time. So hopefully things will go a little bit more um, as planned than they did last time. So that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of my, my story. But just kind of going back to the subject of sex, I feel like it's important to talk about it because nobody talks about it. It's such a taboo thing to talk about sex, but it's such a huge part of a relationship. And obviously, if you've had a baby <laughs> and you're, if, you've, if you've had a baby, you're having sex. So I think. <laughs> to make mention of things like that because it makes us feel less like alone and isolated as women in general so yeah that's kind of my experience um and you can totally share like whatever you want as much okay. or as little okay um so I also went in pretty uneducated to my birth and I ended up with quite a few interventions um it's like to the point where now I, I look back and I, I don't like using the word regret necessarily because I have a healthy baby. I'm healthy, which I have to be grateful for. But there was a lot of trial um, in the postpartum phase. And before I say anything to any moms that are listening, if you just had your baby and you don't feel right, please say something to somebody. Don't just think because I had the same thought process as you. Um, I was like, oh, I just had a baby. Like, it's supposed to hurt. Like, things are supposed to be unpleasant right now. No, that's mm -hmm. not true. Um, of course, you have to heal. There's going to be some healing that's going to happen. But if you're like an actual pain where you're like, man, I don't feel right. You have to say something to somebody. Tell your doctor. Tell your midwife. Anybody that's going to advocate for you, um, just know that, like, your body should heal relatively quickly. That's That's what your body was designed to do. And if it's not doing that, you need to make sure that nothing is going on like in Des's situation where it was really serious. Like she needed immediate medical attention mm -hmm. and just don't, don't ignore your body. Like, don't ignore your body. Okay. So I started pushing and, you know, I had the epidural, so I couldn't really feel anything yet. And they were like, we're going to stop the drip so that you can maybe get some sensation while you're pushing. And I was like, you know, okay, like what you guys are the professionals, whatever you want me to do, like I'm going to do it. And so I stopped the drip and I pushed for two and a half hours total with um, Ellie. So it was a, a long period. Um, there's women that have pushed longer and girl, I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> pushing is hard. Yeah. Um, but by the end of my pushing, I was very much feeling everything again. Um, it was very painful, which was kind of like difficult for me in that moment because I was kind of accepting the fact that I wasn't in any pain. Like things were really great. My labor was feeling easy at that point. And to have the pain come back was really shocking for me. Um, but, you know, they there's all that pain and the baby came out. She came out, you know, 
after two and a half hours. But once she was finally like sliding out, it was relatively easy. So she comes out and, you know, they plop on my chest. It's so amazing. And I'm feeling so excited. And then I have like four people like huddling around uh, my legs. And I was like, like, what's going on down there? And, um, you know, they were getting the placenta out and everything. And the doctor was like, she's like, Kendra, I'm going to be doing some stitches. You're going to probably feel them. We're, we got your epidural going again. We're trying to numb you, but I need to stitch this right now. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm trying to like just focus on the baby and see if she'll latch on for breastfeeding and stuff. But man, that was mm-hmm. definitely unpleasant with her yep. stitching. Um, I, I was know. trying really hard to, yeah, it's so overwhelming, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but it hurt. And like just the sensation of what was going on was insane. Because um, I, while I did have the peroneal uh, tear, I also tore upwards the vaginal canal which was like what they were really concerned about fixing um, because I was bleeding a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had with all of my babies at this point, it's called postpartum hemorrhaging. Um, I've had it each time. I've been totally okay afterwards. So if you know, you find that situation, it's okay. It's definitely needs to be addressed, but um, a lot of happy stories come out of it. Uh, But yeah, I'm so apparently I'm just bleeding like crazy down there. And so they're trying to stitch me up. They're giving me Pitocin to try to get my uterus to contract because I'm also bleeding profusely from the uterine area. And um, I needed a lot of stitches. (laughs) Whenever Mm -hmm. they told me how many stitches I needed, I was like floored. Because when I think of stitches, you know, I think like of like when you cut your chin and you need like five stitches to cut to fix the cut on your chin. And I needed 55 stitches and it was a lot because I was like trying to figure out like how can you like there's can't be that much space to cover but the way that my doctor tried to explain it I don't know if she just did a bad job I I have no idea honestly um but she said that she had to let go over some stuff she was just trying to do it so fast I I don't know it sounded weird to me and I kind of just let that one go at this point because I've healed so um but yeah, she told me that I needed 55 stitches to to deal with my tearing. Um, and while it was substantial tearing, it wasn't considered fourth degree because it didn't uh, go all the way to the anus. It, it just went to like my anal sphincter area, but then it went up the canal. So um, yeah, so she stitched me up and they were like things would probably be a little painful you know we're gonna give they gave me percocet they gave me stool softeners to deal with what was going on and i was okay with that um that was my personal approach to it if you don't like pain medication totally okay um but i was in a lot of pain and i was like i'm gonna pop a couple of these pills to feel a little bit better (laughs) um so yeah i was taking that and ibuprofen and uh Something that I think a lot of moms need to prepare for, even without any tearing, is that first poop. Whew, that is a trip. I got to the point with my tearing, I had a hard time going to the bathroom, period. Whether it was number one, number two, I would literally start crying (laughs) when I knew I had to go to the bathroom. Because it was like a 10-minute process at least. And it just hurt so bad when I went to, when I peed, like it stung like crazy. Like it did not feel good. And then uh, of course going number two, like it was a lot of strain on the pelvic floor. And I felt like I was going to bust open again is what I felt like. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really overwhelming. Um, so yeah, that did happily um, 
heal. Everything went fine. Uh, my stitches dissolved and there was no problem. When I went back to the doctor for that situation, everything had healed great. Um, but I did have other things go on with the birth uh, aside from tearing that were pretty serious. Um, I, I can share that if you want or if you want to save it for a different time. I understand that too. No, you can totally share. I mean, we're here. Sure. People are probably curious. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it kind of just goes more into like what I was saying. Like if you don't feel right, you need to say something. Um, so postpartum bleeding is 100% normal. You are going to bleed. It's called lochia. It's totally normal to bleed. Um, the average person bleeds from anywhere to like two to eight two to eight weeks after birth happens. But usually in those last few weeks, it really lightens up towards just like that pink or even brown type of discharge that's pretty continuous and that's okay. Um, however, to be seeing a substantial amount of red blood consistently for eight weeks and beyond, that's a problem. Um, and I, I really want to make sure women know that that's a problem and you need to tell your doctor, you should not be bleeding that much for that long. Um, I was not told any different. I thought it was normal that I was just having to deal with childbirth, that it was just what everybody else has to deal with. And I started to pass clots around like week four, because I was just bleeding like crazy, like super pads, super, I didn't use any tampons, obviously, but just like the giant hospital grade pads, I was going through like one every two hours. Like I just could not change them enough, you know? And they were the big boats. I was like, yeah. come on. This should last me a while. Um, but uh, I started passing some really, like, I thought they were pretty big clots. And I was like, I don't know if that's a problem. Like, I, I Googled it. And it was like, if it's any bigger than, uh, like, a baseball, you should go to the hospital. And I was like, well, I guess that's what I'll measure it by. <laughs> yeah. So I waited an, a few weeks, just kept passing clots and kept bleeding like crazy. And then finally, uh, around week six or so, I passed a clot that was about the size of a softball. And I was like, okay. And this whole time, my mental state was horrible. I was diagnosed with postpartum depression. They were giving me pills uh, to try to combat that. Um, I could not eat, I could not sleep, I could never get comfortable. I still couldn't go to the bathroom without pain. Like life was really hard in those first few weeks of postpartum. And so I passed that giant softball size clot and I go to the hospital um, right after it happened. And I go in to get an ultrasound to see what's going on. And the ultrasound tech made me so anxious. <laughs> uh, she was just doing her job totally. And she can't tell you what's going on um, whenever there's medical stuff happening. But I was like, do I need a hysterectomy right now? Like, what, am I dying? Like, what's happening? And she was just totally silent. And it made it the longest, like, 15 minutes of my life. And, you know, the doctor came in and they were like, hey, you retain placenta. And that's a very serious thing to have happen. You typically need to have uh, dilation and Cutteridge procedure done to make sure everything's washed out because um, if there's any kind of placenta or tissue left in the uterus, your body is telling you to keep nourishing it essentially. And that's why so much blood was coming out and why the clots were happening and all that stuff. So I just really want to just really drive that home. If you don't feel well, tell your doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if I would have said something 
when I was in the hospital, who knows what would have come, you know, out of that. I probably wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't have PTSD. I don't know, but, uh, probably, probably a little bit. I feel like we all have a little bit. (laughs) Having babies is hard. It really is. Um, but yeah, I feel like in my opinion, the whole point of this episode in general is one, I mean, I'm really passionate about sharing my story because like we said in the beginning of this podcast, tearing is common. It's not weird. It's not, you know, it's something that you honestly, 95% of women, you should probably just expect, you know, even just a little bit of tear if you're a first time mom. So uh, just go into it prepared that that could be a possibility. Um, And I think that's another thing that my experience has taught me is you can you can be as prepared as you think that you know you could humanly be prepared but there could things can happen that um you don't prepare for so i think it's just really important to just remind ourselves of those things i am a strong advocate for having a doula or just having somebody in the room with you who is educated i was lucky enough to have my mom in the room with me um, who worked actually for the OB that was in the room delivering my baby um, for like a couple of years. So she, I, I want to say she made it better, but she also made it a little worse because as soon as, as soon as she saw the look on his face, when he saw uh, my son's head come out, she knew like she just, cause she had worked with him so much. She knew, okay, there's something like not right. And then it kind of like, you know, that energy radiates. So. Oh Yeah probably better to have somebody that you don't really know <laughs> like on that level you know I saw the look on yeah. my mom's face and I was like oh crap what's happening so <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a strong advocate for having somebody in the room with you who is educated I think that that is so just such a powerful thing that you can uh that you can do to be in control of your birth so um and I don't know if you want to share any more about that just like you know I have an entire episode about what a doula is, what they do and all that, but just, you know, sharing a little bit more about just having a doula and how important that is. Definitely one of the biggest things that kind of like pushes my passion for wanting to be a doula for so many mothers is that, I mean, childbirth is associated with a lot of fear and not just tearing, you know, but the baby itself, the pain, the epidural, the cesarean, whatever the situation may be, that's, it's just kind of scary. And having somebody there that is a little like non-biased, I guess, somebody that's going to be there to, to be there with your feelings and everything, but to kind of just explain everything as what they are, just tell you how things go and the risks that are associated, the benefits that are associated, and just to kind of hold your hand through all of that. And if it's so hard to roll it all up into one like phrase, mm-hmm. you know, um, you need to get those fears out there. You have to talk about them because the more you just like think about it and kind of suppress it and try to deal with it on your own, I feel like the bigger that fear gets. I know that's how it is for me. Yeah. Um, so I know I, I love that I can be kind of like a, just somebody to bounce these words off of. I won't give you my opinion because it's not my place. This is totally your birth and your experience. And Um, I just want you to feel as confident, as empowered as possible to go into your birth, have your baby and walk out being like, that was a good experience. Even if things don't go 100% to plan, because 
in all honesty, they probably won't. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be something because mm-hmm. I don't like using the word birth plan. I like birth preferences because mm-hmm. we can definitely strive for what you want, but sometimes things come up and we have to stray from what you were thinking. Um, and, and that's another thing to just talk about with a doula or, or any support person that, you know, th- these are the ways things can go. And I hope that they do, but if not, this is how it's going to go. And that's okay. I can become educated and deal with it and move on and, and just enjoy my baby instead of deal with, you know, regret, anxieties, um, anything, any ugly feelings towards your birth. Cause that's not what birth should be. Yeah. And I was actually, I, I was, uh, I recorded a podcast before this, uh, about essential oils in pregnancy and, okay, uh, yeah. we talked a lot about the postpartum period and just how, um, overlooked it is by a lot of like, uh, healthcare providers and, you know, that you give birth and then they tell you, uh, you know, unless you had any major complications, they tell you, okay, you're going to come back in six, six weeks. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, do you know what happens in that six weeks? Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> every big change you can imagine happens in your life during those six weeks and it's insane to me that there's not a not more support um from doctors during that time because it's just so such a huge time in your life and it's a time that you'll never forget and that you'll probably look back on and have some negative feelings towards I mean it's not it's not that it's not all rainbows and butterflies and brand new babies and I mean the brand new baby is like just such such a blessing and and you love you love it more than you could have ever imagined loving something in your entire life but um that little baby that you love so much (laughs) changes so much too and cries a lot and and then you cry a lot and it's just Uh just so much going on in you know that so, so such a short amount of time and I was also telling uh my friend her name is Jerica that I was talking to I was telling her that I feel like the postpartum period just lasts so much longer than like that six weeks that they clear you, you know, it's oh my gosh, yeah. a year at least a year, at least to really just get the hang of things. And then even then you're just learning all the time as a mom and as a parent. Yeah. But um, I, I was going on, I kind of went off on a little side tangent there, but I was saying that because I think it, it's so uh, it's, it would be just so awesome to have somebody like a doula during that time or a therapist or just somebody that you can, like you said, talk with, get those feelings out, get those fears out. Um, and it, oh my gosh, especially, I mean, yes, as a first time mom, but especially as a second time mom, cause this time you know what to expect. And you're like, Oh, you're more scared the second time than the third time because you're yeah. like, okay, now I know what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, I, I, just, yes. it's really important to talk about. Just all I need to make an entire episode on postpartum stuff because it's so important. But yeah, yeah, like postpartum depression. I mm. I do think it's getting a little bit more um, uh, attention, I guess. Uh, but still, like some of the feelings that women experience right after having their baby, and in the months to following have the months to follow after having the baby, um, it can get dark, and people need to know that that's not not normal um we're also pressured to feel like we should be you know the perfect pinterest mom who looks great right after having the baby and feels great and is cooking full meals for her family after the baby and her house looks pristine and all that stuff and it's such a pressure and i know that 
my personality type and how I handle things, um, it was hard for me because I didn't do great with that. I, I was like, I have all these expectations and I can't live up to them. And now I have this little screaming person and they're really hard to calm down and I can't calm down. It's so yeah. important to talk about those things. Mm-hmm. I always tell all of my friends that are pregnant for the first time the story of this was before I, I knew. No, you know what? This was after my surgery. It was after after everything was good. You know, everything was like finally smooth sailing, if you will. I'm using right. <laughs> um, But I went, you know, they talk about the baby blues, which happened for most people. Um, but I went to my freezer and I opened up my freezer and I had made like, uh, what are they called? I think they call them like padsicles, like where you, oh yeah. Um, yeah, like you freeze these pads and you can put like witch hazel and just different things in there to kind of help, you know, pain down there after having a baby. So I couldn't use those because I had so much damage down there that, you know, my doctor didn't want anything touching down there, like nothing. You just use water if you need to, and that's it for, you know, three months. <laughs> Um, so I opened my, my freezer and I was just like, I wasn't looking for those, but those for whatever reason were the first thing that I looked at and I completely just broke down and it wasn't even, it wasn't even those. It was just, you know, I don't even know what it was. It was just like these emotions just, just came over and I just broke down and just cried for a solid 10 minutes, just bald. And um, I always tell people that story because I'm like, it was such, I mean, I had never felt such intense emotion in my entire life and you don't know what to do with it. You know, it's just, yeah. it just shows up out of nowhere and then it stays and sometimes it goes away and sometimes it gets worse. I mean, it just depends on how lucky you are, I guess. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, it's so, there's so many ways it can go and baby blues is normal and I don't want to say that postpartum depression is normal, but it does happen often. And um, people need to deal with those feelings, whether that involves medication or not. Mm-hmm. Um, like you gotta, you gotta deal with it. You got, you can't just try to live like that, you know, and even yeah. if it is baby blues and you know, it will go away shortly after you know, whatever. Um, just having somebody, if it's your husband, that's awesome. Or your mom or your doula or your best friend, anybody just tell them, I'm hurting right now really bad. I don't even, I can't even tell you why. Like, it's just, there's something inside of me that I is trying to get out emotionally. And all it comes out as is bawling like a child. Cause I've done that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like women are so just like resilient. Like they just, they won't, you know, we're supposed to be the tough ones. Like kind of how you're saying, we're supposed to have it all together. And uh, mm-hmm. my husband told me over and over, you know, like you were so strong during that time. Like you, you didn't show any emotion, you, you know, and all these things. And I'm like, okay, yeah, first of all, I'm an Enneagram three. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to show any emotion regardless of what's going on <laughs> other than everything. Right. But, um, but it's, I mean, women as a whole are like that, you know, we're just so strong and that's, that's awesome, but it's okay to not be strong sometimes. It's okay. Oh my gosh, yes. It's okay to be a big baby sometimes. Sometimes that's what we need. We just need to be the baby for a minute. Yeah, I was joking with my husband. So I harbor a lot of anger 
or sometimes and it usually comes out in the form of crying and mm -hmm. that's fine um that's how I've been able to deal with some things um but I want to do like one of those smash rooms you know where you just like have a room full of glass stuff and you just beat stuff and break it all yes. <laughs> that's like that's what I need right after having a baby yes which probably wouldn't be safe but still yeah it would be nice. <laughs> well the baby is not in the room I promise no. just... <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> yeah no I think it's so important to talk about these things because they're just yes people don't talk about it like they don't yeah, women have to be the strong and the and the ones that just carry it all and it's like uh, sometimes I don't want to so <laughs> yeah I need to have a freak out sometimes too yes but um and I, I mean I love like yes we were talking about tearing in this podcast but I I love just getting off on like conversations with moms because I feel like they're they're always important and every single time I end up having conversations like this with moms uh so many women will be like oh my gosh I just really related to that so much because it's real talk Yes. So, so yeah, um, kind of to sum everything up, uh, remember to advocate for yourself. Remember to um, ask any important questions you need to when it comes to, you know, tearing, if you're afraid of tearing. And then also make sure that your doctor checks you really well after you've given birth. And um, especially if you've had any like medical interventions or a big baby, um, especially if you're small too. Like for me, I'm not a small girl, but I'm short. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of room yes. <laughs> to, for things to go down. So just make sure you're advocating for it's, yourself. It's one that always cracks me up. People are like, you had nine pound babies? I'm five foot nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I got four inches on you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go and marry a tall guy. Yeah, of course. I don't even know why I had a nine pounder. That's, it's kind of messed up in my opinion, but what? <laughs> <laughs> Not fair. I feel like if you've had a, a baby that big, you can like, well, okay, this is such an Enneagram 3 to, thing to say, but like, you, like you, that's like a trophy that you, you carry, you know? Like, I've just right. got a nine-pounder. <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> but um, did you have anything else to add, like, as we're wrapping everything up? Um, I don't think so. We had a lot of good content there. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. But, um, and I also was going to ask you, do you have any, like, where do you want people to go find you? Like if they want to go. Okay. So I'm super excited. I'm hoping in the next week, I'm going to have my website launch and it's kindlykendra.com. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm also getting, once I have my website launch, I'm also going to be having my Facebook and Instagram presence all under kindly Kendra doula services. Um, but right now, if you, you want to contact me right now, you can just find me on Facebook at Kendra Olson. Uh, or Facebook is Mrs. Underscore Olson 2016. Um, you can contact me that way. Um, but yeah, I plan on having my website and the official uh, social media pages ready very, very soon. I was wishing to have them done sooner, but I yeah. have kids, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> life keeps happening. <laughs> um, and I will link like all of that stuff below because majority of people will listen after you know it's launched. So that's nice. And then they can just click on that and go find you and um, ask you all the questions because that's what you're here for. <laughs> yes. Yes. I appreciate it so much. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for chatting with me. Um, I had fun. <laughs> you too. I will do this anytime. I love talking about birth. <laughs> yeah, me too. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Mother Hustler podcast. I just want you to know that if you listened today, you made my day. If you have a friend, a sister, a daughter, anyone you think would love this episode, please share with them. I love hearing your thoughts and reviews on each episode. Also, if you want to hang out with me every day, be sure you are following me over on Instagram at Mother Hustler Podcast. I will see you all next time.